0: So the focus is on a passage about Joseph, a a pretty good father. But the focus of the sermon is on his heavenly father, who's the perfectly holy father. And so that's where we're going to go. So in your Bibles, if you want to turn to a famous passage of scripture, it's Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read verses 18 through 25. but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name, Jesus. I think Joseph is interested in being a just man. I mean, the Bible calls him just, so I guess he is a just man. But is he a just man because he's just that good? I don't think that's the case because other scriptures make it very clear that no one is good enough in their own merit to be considered just. Joseph has a good understanding of the holiness of God, the weightiness of the law, his own lack of capacity to perform and keep it. But Joseph also has a good understanding of the ceremonial law. All of his life he's been raised in this Hebrew tradition, this church with these ceremonies, where he knows there's a prophet, a priest, and a king, and a lamb coming. And those who see their sin and confess their sin and wait for him and put their faith in him can get an alien, an outside, uh, someone else's, a substitutionary atonement for their sins, but also a declaration of righteousness. So Joseph is declared just by God. But what happens when someone is declared just by God? God doesn't leave them alone. He starts doing this work in their hearts, and they start looking just. They start doing justice. And this is what you see in Joseph's life. He's a pretty good example of what a just man would look like. You'll see him transformed, teachable, repentant, compassionate, responsible, self-controlled, and obedient. So here's this man who is a just man, and I think he's very interested in being a just husband. He is ready to be married. In that tradition, the fathers of Mary and Joseph would have come together and they would have met. They would have found each other's children interesting. They would have started dialoguing and having conversations. Hey, don't you think my so-and-so would go well with your so-and-so? And, they would kind of see if there's a good interest there, the fathers, first of all. Maybe the moms would get involved at that point. For sure, Joseph and Mary would get involved. The introductions would be made. They would look at each other, and they would consent. Yeah, we're interested in this. It wasn't forced marriage in the Hebrew culture. At that point, the dads would then get back together. Now that we have kicked the the tires a little bit, and we know about this possible transaction, let's talk about the terms of the transaction Exactly what do you want to give me for my daughter? And they would negotiate. A deal would be struck. A contract would be written up. The parties would come back together. Joseph and Mary would look at each other, would make solemn vows before of the presence of others. The dowry would be paid. The date would be selected. Joseph would then go home to prepare a place to make some money and prepare a house for his bride until he returned to get her. Mary would then go home to keep herself chaste, to make herself as radiant as she could be as she waits for that glorious day of celebration and consummation. That's the sweet story here. We got Joseph, a man declared just, a man who acts justly, who wants to be a just husband. I think he wants to be a just father. Just not yet. I mean, sure, he wants to have children. I mean, sure, children are a gift from the Lord. But couldn't we at least have a few months of wedded bliss before we got the misery of pregnancy and the danger of giving birth, the exhaustion of those nights when you just want to sleep, but the child just won't let you. Couldn't we put that off just a little bit I'd like to be a just husband and a just father, but just not yet. So this is the story. Everything is working out well. It's kind of a cute love story, sweet, until it turns sour. Joseph learns that Mary is pregnant. We're not told how she conveyed this information to him. I can imagine uh Joe what you doing I'm just waiting for that day Mary how you doing babe uh, we need to talk okay what's up you, you seem a little troubled sweetheart I, I don't know how to tell this to you honey I'm I, I'm pregnant what? You're pregnant? How? Who? Why? Joe, Joe, it's it's not like you think. I, I know this is going to sound odd. This is going to sound bizarre, but I don't even quite understand it. Let me just Going along my day, an angel showed up. An angel said they had a message from the Lord. He called me a highly favored woman. He then looked at me, and I was shocked as could be as he said, you're going to have a baby boy, you're going to have a son. He told me his name's going to be Joshua or Jesus or Savior. At that point, I'm like, great, Mr. Angel, I'm glad. He told me he's going to be great, he's going to be a ruler, he's going to save his people, that people are going to praise him. Then he told me that the Father is going to be God. That the Holy Spirit, like it overshadowed creation and birthed creation, is going to overshadow me. I'm going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and the child within me is going to be man and God. Joseph, I haven't been unfaithful. I have been chaste. I have kept myself pure. I've not been there with a man. Stop, he says. Stop you expect me to believe that? I can imagine the tension, the fear, the sadness, the tears, the anger. Stomach feeling horrible, him falling to his knees, the look in her eyes. Did he have clenched fists at this point? Was he biting his lips so he didn't say the wrong thing? I don't know how a just man hears a story like that and responds but this is what we do know he considered it he contemplated he thought and he came to a conclusion I'm not buying what she's selling this was the conclusion of the just man Uh, she she could be lying to me she could be deceiving herself she could be losing it a bit I'm not sure what's going on with this young girl but this I do know she's confused she may have been carnal. Now she's telling me this story. And Joseph determines, I just I am not marrying someone like that. I am not attaching myself to someone carnal or crazy. He determines, I will be just. I will pursue justice. I will pursue that which is right. I have the legal right to divorce her. This marriage is going to be over before the first night we stay together. It's going to be terminated. Write up those papers now, but I will be compassionate. I will do it discreetly. There is no need for me to to harm her any more than she has already harmed herself and us. We're not going to let people know so she can be publicly shamed or maybe even excommunicated from the church or, or worse yet, executed. This is what I've determined. It will be discreet, but this marriage is over. Now notice... Joseph is wrong. So whatever God means by being just does not mean that man doesn't sin anymore. Joseph is not believing Mary. Joseph is harming an innocent girl who has come to her with the truth and he has interpreted events wrongly. We have to be very careful how we make judgments. Be slow, careful, humble, and compassionate. I don't know how long the pain was felt by Mary. Was this when she took off to go see Elizabeth and Zechariah? But before the notary signed the divorce papers, Joseph had his own meeting with an angel. An angel shows up to Joseph, and this is what Joseph learns. Joseph, you've got a heavenly father who is incredibly generous and is giving. This is what he learns. He learns that God knows his name, and knows his lineage, that he's from the house of David. He learns that God is saying, I'm giving you instructions. You are to take Mary as your wife, regardless of what you've just decided. And I'm telling you, you are to want to. I'm telling you, your affections are to be towards her and me. You are not to have fear in doing so. Uh, Joseph, you need to know, the angel says, that Mary has told you the truth. No man has touched her. She's remained a virgin. She's been chased. You need to know that the Father is God. God is the impregnator, the overshadower, the one who has brought this about. You need to know that God is the one who determines sex, biological sex, and God has said, it's going to be a boy, it's going to be a man, And God has determined its name because God is the Father, not some other man and not you. God is the Father and God has determined His name is going to be Jesus, Joshua, Savior. And you need to know the vocation of this lad. Yes, He is the son of David. Yes, He is the son of a virgin. But He is the one who comes to save. And notice that phrase. His people from their sins. He is the Savior of God's people, of God's congregation, of God's family, of His family. You need to know, Joseph, that He is more than just a man. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. Can you see it, Joe? You got a heavenly Father who is giving His only begotten Son. And He's giving salvation. And He's giving Himself. Joseph learns all that from the angel. He also learns that Mary may not be so foolish, and he may not be so wise. At this point, we have a lot of people in Scripture who hear instructions from God that are tough instructions, not what you planned, and they head off in the wrong direction, maybe like Jonah. Joseph's not such a person. Do you know why? Because he's a just man. He's been made just, declared just, and just people like to do things justly. They like to pursue justice Joseph proves to be a man who has the gift of revelation from his heavenly father. The heavenly father is the one who sent the angel. Joseph has the gift of repentance from the heavenly father. It's God who gives the gift of repentance. Joseph now believes he has faith. That's another gift from the heavenly father. And instead of rejecting and rebelling and questioning at this point, he responds like a just man does. He has the gift of repentance that shows itself in the fruit of repentance, and despite his questions, despite the slander and the mockery and the advice that he would get probably from family and friends, despite the danger that might come, maybe he'll even be excommunicated himself, he believes God. He halts the divorce proceedings. He finalizes the marriage, takes her as his bride, temporarily withholds from intimacy for the time of her pregnancy, properly names him Jesus as his heavenly father had told him to do, and adopts him. Yes, Joseph is a just man, teachable, repentant, compassionate, responsible, sacrificial, self-controlled, obedient, and he will be greatly used by his father. But he's a just man, not because he's just that good, but because the Holy Spirit makes him just, and then he starts practicing that justice from the inside out that the Holy Spirit is working in him. So there's the story of the earthly pretty good father, loved, receiving gifts from the perfect heavenly father. We sing songs like I am a child of God. This is my Father's world. How deep the Father's love for us. And you're a good, good Father. I want you to imagine that there's a Christmas tree here. There's a rocking chair here. It's not Santa in it. It's the Heavenly Father. And He's sitting there, and He's looking at you. And He's saying, I'm your Abba. I'm your Dad. I'm your father, and I have gifts for you. Now, we know how we like to respond, and we're parents, and we give gifts to our children. This is going to be the first year that we're going to have a grandchild to give a gift to. Laura's going over the top already. We just love to give gifts. And this is the attitude of the heavenly father towards you. What has the Heavenly Father given to you? The Heavenly Father has created you, first of all, in His image. He made you in His image. He made you in His likeness. He procreated you. He created you in the womb, knit you together in the way you're to be. He's given you some of His attributes, and this is what God has done for you. He has given you your identity. He has given you your significance and your purpose and your vocation. When He has said, now I need you to be on mission with me. We have a job to do. I want you to represent me well to your neighbors. I want you to work hard for me, work hard for them, love me, love them, enjoy me, glorify me, and let's make disciples together. Let's make more people. I'll I'll work through you to make more and more worshipers who love Jesus Christ. He then gave us incredible counsel. He gave us his principles, his law, his wisdom, his teachings, his rule book, his operator's manual, whatever you want to call those things. And he has clearly told us, now this is the absolute best way for you to live as we work together to bless the world. At that point, he watched our debauchery, our rebellion. He saw it all. It didn't matter who you were. You were made in His image and likeness, but you said, I would rather follow the evil one than God, and you started doing evil things because we're not naturally just. God shows compassion, mercy, and grace towards everyone He created in His image. Every single person from every single nation in every single time of every single group, every single religion, it doesn't matter if you're Christian or not, He shows compassion, mercy, and grace to you. He looks at you in your condition, and it causes him to grieve. That's compassion. He sees your sin, and he sees your suffering. He also gets angry. He's indignant with the evil every single day, the text tells us. But yet he shows mercy to everybody. He is long-suffering and patient and is not quick to execute his wrath. Everybody gets that, and everybody gets grace. When you have peace, when you have prosperity, when you have rain, when you have sunshine, when you have children, when you have fun, when you have food, all of that is just stuff you don't deserve, extra benefits, that for some reason he showers his grace upon the wicked and the righteous as he wants to. This is a gift from God. Your heavenly Father is sitting here Beside the tree, giving everybody gifts. But then there are those gifts that he gives to his children. Those who are called his worshipers, his disciples, his elect, his predestined, his foreknown, his flock. Or in Matthew chapter 1, his people. There's a distinction where God gives extra special, covenantal, agape, compassion, mercy, and grace to those who are saved from their sins by his only begotten son. This is what God does. God gives his own son to save his people. In John chapter 6, God makes it clear that the generous father also gives gifts to Jesus. But he says, I've got a group of people, Jesus, that I am giving to you. They are yours. So when Jesus says he is now coming to die for the sins of all his people, those are the people who go to heaven. No one goes to hell if Jesus died for their sins. No one goes to heaven unless Jesus died for their sins. It is a perfect equation right there. All the people for whom Jesus died, their sins are all covered. There are none for them to pay for and they get to go to heaven. He didn't die equally for all these people's sins or else they would have had their sins covered because you're not saved by your faith. You're not saved by your repentance. You're certainly not saved by your works. You're only saved by what Jesus Christ has done for you through your faith, through your repentance, but that leads to this repentance that I'm talking about. It's not your repentance that leads to Him dying for you. And so Jesus died for all the sins of all His people, and this is what God is saying, Joseph, I'm the generous Father. I'm giving this to you. I'm giving you other things it says in Scripture. The Father gives eternal life, forgiveness, the Holy Spirit, deliverance from evil, Adoptive love, daily bread, daily care, comfort in afflictions, answers to prayer, edifying discipline, never failing preservation. He gives us the kingdom and the glory and rewards and mansions. Are you starting to see you've got this dad over here? You've got this father who's a father to all, kind of, in that he created people and made them in his image. But he's a special Father to Jesus and Jesus' people. And all this Father does is want to show extra special, covenantal, eternal, abundant, compassion, mercy, and grace, and a bunch of other things. As he just holds out his hands and says, won't you take my gifts? Won't you take my gifts? Maybe the best picture of this in the Bible is one of my favorite parables, the parable of the prodigal son where he now looks at his father and says, I don't want you in my life, I just want your stuff. Leave me alone, and I'm going as far away from you as possible. But I hear the father saying to us, children, I have grieved over you, your sin and your suffering. I have loved you, and I still love you and I will never forsake you. And you need to know that though you have proven a desire to stop being my children, I will never stop being your dad. You need to know that my love for you is not based on your performance, your being moral, looking good, or staying near. You need to know that though you are faithless, child, I am faithful. You need to know that I have nothing but grace for you. I have nothing but gift for you. I have nothing but forgiveness for you. I am interceding for you right now. I'm already looking for you I'm already messing with your chest. And maybe that's even why I brought you here today. I am working repentance in you. Don't you see, child, I'm standing here with outstretched arms. I am ready to run your way as soon as I see you over the horizon. Oh, sure. I do long to hear your words of confession. But only because I want to respond with my words of promise. I want to teach you, admonish you, edify you, coach you, and motivate you. Yeah, I want to see the fun evidence of your repentance. It's good for you. It's good for your household. It's good for our ministry. I delight seeing the good work that I inspire and do in you. Son, daughter, feel my embrace. Receive my gifts, my sandals, my robes, my rings. Celebrate with me. Let's party. Let's sing songs and have a feast. I am generous and I have nothing but gracious gifts to give you. Friends, this is the good, good father. Imagine the tree. Imagine the chair. Imagine you could see the heavenly father sitting there. As he's sitting there going, you've misunderstood me. All I have are generous gifts to give you through my son. Yes, there are performance-based fathers that you have to earn his love. He's not one of them. There are passive fathers who give you the rules and sit back and say, we'll see what kind of a mess you make out of things. He's not one of them. There are abusive fathers who will harm you just because they love themselves. He's not one of those. He gives himself, his son, his spirit. He does so freely, abundantly, and forever. Can't you see him running down the road towards you? Can't you see him sitting in the chair there? Maybe through my words, can you see him with a smile on his face right now, looking at you saying, come on! How much longer will he sit there with these gifts and you wonder if he's a stingy God that you have to earn his favor? He's the most generous being you've ever seen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son... How will He who gave Him not generously give us everything we need in Romans 8 language? Can you see His face? Can you hear the words that He's saying? I wrote a blog on this this week. What might He be saying to you right now? Let's read Psalm 32 together. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. But when I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity, I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at the time in which he may be found. You are a hiding place for me. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O upright, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. What will you do, friends? Will you confess your sin? Will you confess your acceptance of his payment and his merit? Will you confess your your desperate need? Will you sit there at his feet? And let him give you the gift. Will you receive it? And open it up? And enjoy it? And not try to pay him back for it? Will you enjoy being declared and made just like Joseph? Will you enjoy letting him work through you as you practice justice like Joseph? And will you enjoy boasting of him? We have a father like none other how fun it is to say, have you met my dad? And now we have two services with plenty of space for people to learn about Abba Father. He's the best dad imaginable, better than any of your dads you've ever seen or ever been. He sits here and all he is is the guy who says, I want to give generous grace. How long will you people act like stubborn mules and not accept it? Would you sit at my feet? Would you open the gift? And would you enjoy what I have to give? I love you. I love you so much. I've given my only begotten son for you. I will slaughter him on the cross for you. I will then give you the Holy Spirit. And together, we have blessings that you can't believe. You can't outrun us. You can't outgive us. Your grace is, your, my grace is greater than all of your sins. Do we believe this? Friends, we have an incredible dad. We need to receive all the gifts we can from him, like the prodigal son did. Just run home. And then let's boast of him. Let's make his name known.